Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unpublished. We've got a lovely guest for you today, Rebecca Campbell. And I'm super excited to have her on for several reasons. Um, first of all, because we actually all three of us are veterans of the Australian Writers Centre Write Your Novel program here in Sydney. Rebecca and I went through the trenches at the same time, um, Amy a little bit before us, but I read your amazing book, 138 Dates, <laughs> in its early stages. And it's just so cool to now see it come through you know, with a major publisher out on the shelves. I mean, obviously for us in Sydney at the moment, we can't really see it on the shelves, but um, it's just so cool to see someone that I went through my writing course with um, and such a talented writer be out there in the world with their work. Um, and we both, love, we both love the book. Yeah, it's so honoured to have you here, Rebecca. Thank you. Um, and, you know, that's for, coming from me as I pretty much only read science fiction and fantasy. And then when I read <laughs> Rebecca's book on day one and I read it in two days, it was so enthralling. I had such a good time reading it. Um, so maybe just a little bit, do you want to just speak to the book uh, about the book a little bit, Rebecca? I tell our audience what it's about, what, maybe a bit about your story. Sure. Well, thank you for the lovely introduction. And um, thank you for your feedback in the class as well. So, yeah, it was very scary in the very early days when I was thinking about what I might put in the book. Um, and then, you know, we put it out in the class every week. Well, you know, we put, I remember putting it out in my first week and then I was like literally shaking to get feedback because I was so nervous about what people might say. And it's then, such a um, harrowing experience, that feedback. It really that, is. Oh, it's just... I mean, I think a lot of our readers really struggle with that. Our listeners really struggle with that as well. It's like just putting your work out there for other people to yeah. critique is just one of the scariest things you can do. It really is. It really is. And so, yeah, yes, thank you for all your great. You're really helpful with the feedback in that class. So thank you. <laughs> um, so just a bit of background on the book. I mean, I've written columns for a long time. So I started a blog like in 2010 when I was building a tech company which was called posse.com, which became Hey You, the, um, the cafe app. And um, I kind of just wrote this blog about my experience of being an entrepreneur and like the different mistakes I would make every week. And then that blog did really well. I mean, I wrote lots of personal stuff as well as writing business stuff. So I might write a post one week about how to do a user experience interview and what I learned. And then I might write another post about like telling lies, like, you know, how I realized that I tell lies in my <laughs> business and what that means. And I would find like the personal, the person, the more personal the story, the bigger the response it would get. Um, and the more people would say they found, you know, they could relate to it. They got value out of it. And then after a while, I got offered a New York Times column. So um, still writing about business. And then I got um, approached by a publisher to write a business book. So this is like back in 2018. And I started writing this book about women in tech and it was really boring as <laughs> so I could find like I was like was felt myself being kind of flat writing this book and at the same time I had this you know I'd been through this big process of finding my partner and we had a young baby and I was pregnant with my second baby and I was just so like my life had just transformed and I thought well if I was going to write a book and put this into the world then I should write the story of like how I found love because it just has added so much more value to my life than than anything I could share in business and so that was the idea behind the book is just to tell the story of yeah how I kind of came from like a very low base of not dating in 10 years and then went out there and found love at the same time as in a building a business yeah and that's something I really love about the book as well as is the interweaving of those two stories one of many you know many personal stories of yeah. yours and just how um something I think uh, that's so impressive about you is that you were able to um 
really hold both of those things at the same time. And I guess I'm sort of jumping the gun in my questions for you here, but like, I always think, how is she not just on the floor exhausted throughout this whole process? Like, it just seemed like you well, were. Well, I think I was. I was on the floor exhausted pretty yeah. much. Like, I don't yeah. think, yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of a myth that people think about everyone, you know. I was just thinking about it now. Like, even I'm doing all this book promotion and I'm so tired. I just want to have sleep. And people just think that, you know, you're just this kind of powerhouse. Mm. But I think I think that when I look at other people as well who are doing yeah. stuff. But no one actually is like that. It is always, you know, I'm always exhausted and feeling like I'm going to give up and feeling like a total failure and like. we've got to have conversations around like and we are jumping questions here but this is such an important topic and I talk about it all the time this is something that's really big in our lives uh talking about like how when we like commit to our creativity and, and as authors and creators and artists or whatever craft it is that you pursue, like balancing that rest and, and burnout. And, and, you know, there's a lot of myths um, as to, you know, it's all, oh, it's so easy for them, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people have looked at you, Rebecca, and thought, wow, look, you know, she's just gliding through it all. But, you know, the reality is that it is hard to balance these kinds of things. And, and not that in your book, you shy away from no the hard parts of it, but it is like a very impressive story. Mm. Thanks. Well, I mean, it, it was very hard. I can tell you the process of writing the book was also very hard. Yeah. yeah. So like anyone who thinks that you kind of glide through that process is it's just, that's just not true. That mm. It's very, like, it's very tough. Yeah. We thing. often talk about the importance of being compassionate to yourself when you're writing and the, the importance of, um, you know, not yep. overreaching. Uh, um, we, we often find if, you know, if we really try and push too hard through the book, um, it can lead to diminishing returns over time and can make things harder. Did you find that? Um, so, I mean, when I first started thinking about writing the book, I like worked out how long it took me to write a column. So that would be like maybe two and a half hours. And I go, okay, well, that's like 800 good words. So I mean, then I kind of worked out, well, if I wrote for eight hours a day, then how much could I, I could get through 2000 words kind of thing and, or more. And so I kind of worked out, maybe it was like two and a half thousand words. I was, was my aim for every day. And then it was just like, I realized pretty quickly that I couldn't, I'd run out of juice to something mm. like, you know, you've only got a certain amount of creative juice in you every day. And I, you know, would use that juice and then I'd be kind of done and I'd have to do something else. So, um, yeah, like I definitely, and then I got, I did like get frustrated with myself because I felt like I should be making progress faster. Um, and obviously you had a, and, you know, you had a contract. So you, you were pushing, like, I think that's something that's really, um, a lot of our writers are writing, in the stage before they maybe have a contract with a publisher or they're doing it for themselves for a self, for self-publish and they don't have someone yeah. kind of like waiting for a manuscript. So, did, so I that- wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have a publishing deal until I'd finished my first draft. Right. And I was actually, I was actually halfway through my second draft when I got offered a publishing deal and that was, I didn't approach publishers either. So I wanted to kind of, my aim was to finish my second draft before I started approaching publishers. Um, so I went through, you know, I thought, yeah, I went through a whole, terrifying experience of investing an entire year of time and energy into something and I had no idea whether anyone was going to want to publish it or not and that was really scary because some days I would I would just be like nobody's going to want to read this this is just I'm totally wasting my time I'm deluding myself I'm writing this really embarrassing stuff and no one's going to want to read it and I just get so depressed um Mm. and then you know sometimes I'll have feel like I wrote something great and I'd be like this is awesome this is gonna be the best book ever <laughs> so it was like this total roller coaster um, it's such an undulating ride I feel like James at <laughs> yeah. the moment you're going through this as you read your your um 
final draft of your book, it's like sometimes you love it, sometimes you hate it, and it's such a roller coaster. And it seems almost impossible to get past that. Like, it's so hard to look at your own work and feel like, yes, this is 100% going to be so valuable to other people. But as you say, there there are some moments where you can kind of see the light, but it's just really, I mean, creativity is such a, it's it's like a constant battle with doubt, there's a constant battle um, with you putting yourself onto the page. And that's also something that we, we really want to talk to you about is that it's such a personal story. Like you must've just felt so vulnerable the whole time. And yes, I mean, there's something quite attractive. I don't know. I feel like I quite enjoy that that feeling of being vulnerable. Like it's just like when I feel like I'm in that space, I feel like my heart is completely open and it's really nice. So I try to be in that space as much as I can. And then I know that that's when I write my best stuff. And it's also when I makes me happy. But in in terms of the um, publishing stuff, I did, at one point, I realized I just had to think about one person that I was writing this book for, which was my friend Jen. And I was like, if I can just help Jen, or if there's anyone like that, they're like Jen, even if it's one person, if they can get something from this, then it'll be worth it. I love that. I love that too. That that did. I've never heard anyone say that before. Kind of like discharged through all the fears. That's so cool. I love that idea. Like, I think so often when we're in the creative process, we're thinking about, you know, all the people that we want to access, but the idea of just like, if there was just one person and I like that you had your, your person, like I'm writing this, you know, for people like Jen, that's so, it's so beautiful. I love that. What a useful tool. Thanks. My other tip I would say, which I learned was not to send it out to anyone. So I sent out some stuff to an agent, like one agent and I just got like a very generic knockback of like, we have too many, you know, women writers of this genre at the moment. We're not interested. And I was just like, I was so gutted. And there was another one I applied for this like elite, like memoir writing course or something. Um, and I didn't get a response. And then I like wrote back and saying, hey, like, because I was waiting on the day that I was supposed to get the feedback and all the, did you get into this or not? And then I got this kind of note saying, oh, sorry for not getting back to you. You didn't get in. And I was so both of those times I was so devastated I felt like I was an absolute loser and what I was writing was rubbish Mm. and that really set me back kind of like weeks in my writing and then I decided not to send it out at all to anyone unless I knew like my writing buddies from the writing group and then my best friend also was really good because she was just like she didn't give me feedback but she just always loved everything so so (laughs) you need those people that's really all I need I yeah, that's one of the hardest when, great. Yeah, when you show it, when you show it to a friend and, and they're just like, it's great. And you're like, uh, like, can I please have a little bit more? <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I need someone who's just like only positive. Yeah. I can find yeah, it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe James, you're always looking for that constructive feedback. <laughs> I need that one person who's just going to build me up and make me feel amed- yeah. amazing so I can keep going. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, you know, yeah. And then there's obviously there's a difference between, you know, and then you get the professionals involved and then I feel like you're much more able to take direction from an editor, Amy. Yes, I am. I find, um, I actually, I mean, this could be an interesting discussion seeing as we're all, we were all a part of the Australian Writers' Centre, like getting feedback, harking back to what we initially started this discussion on. Like I really struggled with getting feedback at the AWC and I much prefer to pay for my feedback now. Like I prefer to, or, you know, be involved with a professional relationship with an editor um, because I find having, especially a large amount of feedback, which in the Australian Writers' Course, the structure of it is that you get feedback from a lot of people. I find it very overwhelming and I don't, know how to integrate it properly yeah I mean I do think when I did that course that was the first feedback 
that I ever got. And I think I kind of learned, like everybody had different opinions mm. and, and I definitely, it actually helped me refine what I wanted to do because I was like, nah, that I started thinking, nah, that's wrong. You know, like I'm going to do it this way. Or, you know, there was, and there was a lot of different, like, I don't know if you remember James, like about, there was a debate about whether I should write in the present tense or the past tense. Yeah. And then I, started, and like everyone was telling me past, there were the tutors were saying past tense about the participants were all saying present tense is working. And I was just like, I know this is what, and then that was kind of like, that really helped me refine, but you can't listen to what everybody says. You've got to, yes. you've got to use it as like, as kind of like it bouncing stuff, you know, I don't know, it just helps you to help you think about what you're doing as opposed to like taking everything on board. And it yeah. actually made me become more firm and clear about my direction by saying, no, I'm going to do it this way. And, you know, and then, but some of it was so insightful, particularly Pamela, the, um, the teacher. I mean, she, yeah, I found her, she's a totally different author to me and writes in totally different genre, but her feedback was incredibly insightful and, Really she's so experienced. That I, I mean, yeah. So many of us is, were just our little baby writers. I mean, she's written, yeah. you know, 30 plus books. And I think it's always going to be like, that's just not something you can get access to very easily out in the wild. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And as you say, like, um, it's so valuable, even though she might not have written a lot of books that are exactly of exactly like yours. It just, there's a certain, there's a sort of commonality across all storytelling. Don't you think that's things work across all genres and all styles? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. things, but then obviously, you know, obviously there are differences and everyone's got their yeah. own unique style, but there are some core things that you can just, you can learn from a master or from someone who's got a lot more experience that just seem to, yeah. to work no matter what. Yeah. I don't know. She just seemed, she seemed to have insights into my particular story as well. Like mm. I remember asking her on that last day, I was like, what's the hook that's going to make this a big book? Cause I'm like, is this a coming of age book? Is this about, you know, my personal development? Is this about, you know, the business thing? And then she was just like, 138 days to true love she's like people love a love story that's what's going to sell it and I was just like yeah she's totally right like that's the that is yeah. the hook of the story and so I was like that would kind of really help me and then she's just looked at the climax she's like that's not a climax and then I told her this other story and she's like that's a climax and so I was like okay so useful this kind of so things was very useful yeah, yeah. I would love to talk about being a memoirist. We have, you know, so many beautiful creators who listen to this podcast who are interested in memoir. Um, But I think, I mean, it's just, I feel like it's a whole different ballgame when you're talking about yourself. Like there's something very vulnerable about, you know, writing fiction, because of course you're you're reflected in your fiction, but to come... at your craft with your own personal story. Um, I get a lot of questions and I'm not able to answer them because I've never written memoir um, about how how we handle, you know, this incredibly sensitive genre and how we can deal with this, particularly dealing with the people in our lives as we write these books. You know, how do we make sure everyone is safe and feels okay as we tell our own story? What was your experience with that as you wrote this book? Yeah, that was hard in terms of other people in my life. I think in terms of like, I mean, I'd written these columns, so I'd kind of become quite comfortable with putting myself out there. And I'd also, you know, earlier on, I tried to kind of write around the hard things and not be completely honest. And I knew that that never worked. So the only way to write a memoir is to just go really deep and just go like the truth, the truth, the truth. Like what is the absolute truth that I can tell at this particular moment? You know, as I'm writing this particular moment, how, you know, of how I felt or how I thought. Um, like that's just the only, the only way that it works. In terms of other people, that was hard. I found I just had to write the story and not think about it. 
And then I kind of came back to it and worked out, okay, how can I make this work? And I did kind of figure out quite quickly as I started writing, particularly like there's a business character, like a um, who was an investor mentor character. And then it was actually three people. Mm. And originally I started thinking about it as three separate characters. And I was like, it's just, it's, in terms of a, an engaging story, it would make much more sense to have one character that um, kind of fulfills those three roles. And then I don't have to introduce all these different people that are kind of playing the same role. And then it, that also made it easier for me to be completely honest about how I felt about that character. And yes. Because it was clear that it wasn't just a real person. The, that's the most, I feel like that's almost the most, um, what's the word? Not saddest, but that's the most crushing moment in the story for me is how that, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for people too much, but that's, yeah. that's the, that seems to be the relationship that's almost, that's more charged than the romantic relationships. Yeah. That's more yeah. important than the romantic relationships, relationships in many ways. Yeah. Well, it was totally true as well. Like there was yeah. a real relationship that ended and it was never recovered and it was devastating. And like the emails word for word. <laughs> so it's, it's oh true. my God. That's but it's, um, yeah. but it's, um, but it's like, um, yeah, I mean, I, the only way I could have done that, honestly, without, I guess, opening me up, myself up for, um, you know, or, or, you know, hurting people, which is not the idea yeah. of the book. I don't want to yeah. hurt or upset or embarrass anyone, was to make it one character and to say this is not, you know, it's not based on just one particular person. Um, and, yeah, and then all the others, so there's lots of guys in the book, obviously, that I dated. So I changed their names. I changed their identities as much as I could without changing the story that um and um there was real people in it as well who were kind of mixed in who I just knew people would know who they were that's obviously the Canva founders Mm. there's um there's investors who kind of backed me early and that were kind of known to be involved in the my story and so I thought it was made more sense to have them in because I wanted to link it to reality as much as I could to yeah, remind definitely. people that it, it, it is a it is a true story and I didn't want people to feel like it was a they were in a fiction story so if I can intertwine intertwine real people into it and most of those real people I let read their parts not all of them just some of them um and then Steve his so my ex-partner who was killed in an accident I let his parents and his sister read it and you know they made a couple of tweaks so that they were happy with beautiful with it and and um that was really important to me as well of course yeah I feel like it's such an art um with memoir and I really like these like methods of protection that you've used like merging the characters and changing the names to make sure that everyone feels safe and as you said like I think a lot of people worry that if they write a memoir it's just going to feel like an attack on someone or you know it's going to create pain but there are so many ways in which you can cushion yourself and cushion your art to make sure that you can tell beautiful vulnerable stories without it being vindictive or you know just a harmful force in the world I mean I even know a lot of people think oh my book that's not even in my science fiction book set 300 years in the future it's so obviously my dad is this character he's going to be so upset when he reads it like I think we read into that a little bit too much and we even or even read into you know how much are people actually going to be paying attention yeah. to that sort of thing when they read the book <laughs> yes yeah definitely yeah mm. yeah yeah but it is hard it is hard I was pretty scared about people reading it um yeah. who were in it who are named in it and they hadn't read it and I was kind of like <laughs> waiting for them to come back to me when I knew they had it yeah but fortunately they've all liked it so that's been oh it's good yeah it's a real specific type of vulnerability hangover once you've released your memoir because you know yes. you know people are going to see themselves in the book but I guess that's why the genre is also so special because it's it is so very very real 
I mean, I, lo- yeah. I love your how you write your relationship with your mum as well. Like, she's such a larger than life character in the book, and I'm like, you know, she does so many crazy <laughs> things, and I just think, well, obviously, you know, she loved when she reads the books and she would, you know, it's like, yes, you describe her doing some things that might be a little bit like, Oh mom, really? But that's just who she is. Like that's, I mean, that's part of the journey, right? Like. Yes. It's- I let her read the book like early in it, early in it. And she was a hundred percent. She was fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, really? There's nothing you want to change? She's like, no, it's great. <laughs> Everyone has those, those mom moments, you know, it's like, it's not like she's an anomaly. Like, you know, if anyone writes their mother into their book, they're always going to do things that if they're being honest, they're always, you know, I mean, Maybe someone has the perfect mother, but <laughs> they know, don't. mom's boy. You think. Yeah. I love that. I wanted to talk about um, a little bit more about similarities between, you know, building your business career and building your writing career. Yeah. Um, obviously yes. you, you brought that business mindset to your dating life. Like it was a much more yes. you, um, which is something that I think is absolutely like, that's one of the core hooks of the book. Yeah. To that's me. why it's, it's like, brilliant. Yeah. It's just seeing this analytical business mind going towards <laughs> dating mm. Um what about with writing? Do you, do you feel like you've used any of the same strategies to help you build your writing career? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I think, I mean, definitely I was able to stick at it. I mean, that's hmm. just something I have kind of always done. I think that comes from being a runner, actually. I was a runner when I was in school and, and I kind of learned, got me this stamina thing. So hmm. and that has helped me a lot in business and dating and in, um, in writing a book, just keeping on going. Um, I, I mean, definitely when it's come to, but, I, but in terms of like writing a story, I don't know. I guess it's I mean, what, there's a lot what, of logic in saying. terms of how you structure things, but. Yeah. I, I think sorry. what you, what you were onto with the, with the stamina thing is, I guess what I'm getting at there. Like I think a lot of people yeah. think they're going to just bam, write a book and bam, it's going to be super successful and, or any kind of artistic endeavor. And that's like, really, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's, it's such a long yeah. process and you've got to, you've got to prepare yourself for the long haul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think also optimism. Like, I, I unfortunately am the kind of person that thinks, bam, I'm going to write a book and bam, it's going to be successful. <laughs> and then I'm always disappointed. And then because I always realize, oh, shit, this is really hard. And I might, might not finish it and my one might want to read it. And so, um, but that's just this, you've got to have that kind of attitude, I think, at the beginning. When you start a business, it's the same, right? You've got to believe that your business is going to work. Mm. Otherwise, you're never going to, you're not going to do it. <laughs> So I think that kind of level of optimism at the beginning can put you under enormous strain. Um, and I think maybe it does rob. I was thinking the other day, like now it's like, it's like it book was on number one on Booktopia this morning on like, was I watching congratulations. Charlie. I was like, am I the only author that watches these charts twice a day? Like, no. I like, worked out the algorithms behind all the different charts. No, it's number one on the biography section, but it's like, I've figured out like, what's the, like how they all work. But I'm, um, but um, I do think, like, I feel like, phew, you know, it's okay. As opposed to, like, whoa, it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's reached number one on the book to future. So mm-hmm. I do think that that's kind of, it can rob you of the um, thrill of it. And people are like, oh, you must be so excited and thrilled. And I'm like, oh, I'm just, like, exhausted and I'm relieved more than anything else that it's doing okay. I think that's what we talk about a lot. It's like people think that once they have, once they get their book published or once they're in the art gallery, once they you know, once they've achieved this, what they want to achieve, they're going to feel like the sense of coming home. Whereas yeah. I feel like that's, I mean, we always talk about being process driven and being, um, I mean, that's something that you really speak to in the book as well. It's like trying to be process driven in how you approach both business and your dating life. Is that something you think is also important as a creative? Um, 
don't know. Process driven. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not super process driven, actually. That's interesting. I mean, I'm kind of like goal driven. Yeah. yeah. I'm terrible at managing things. I'm like the worst at admin and manager that you right. could ever imagine. I'm like a shambles. Yeah. And writing has been awesome because it's like, I don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. I don't have to manage people. I don't have to manage mm. projects. I'm just on my own doing something and it's awesome. I don't go home and freak out about, you know, that some person I've hired is not working out and I'm managing them wrong and mm. I forgot to do all these admin things and like, I don't know. I don't did, like did, you, did you have like daily goals or anything when you were writing the book or you just tried to sit down and, and do the best you could? So I tried to do a thousand words a day. That was my goal. That's yeah. Which I found that that was a achievable goal. And also, um, you know, I would get close to it. Sometimes I would do a bit more, but it just seemed like that was a reasonable amount. I also became more comfortable with my faffing because I like, (laughs) am a terrible, in the morning, I will want to check the news sites. I'll check Facebook. I'll make myself a cup of tea. I like to have a kettle next to the computer and I'll occasionally go back and I'll check Facebook and stuff. And then after a while, I said, you know what? I'm going to stop giving myself such a hard time about faffing. I love I'm that. Go with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to add an extra hour or two into my writing. I day. love that. What a well, can beautiful that, yeah. piece of advice. I think, um, you know, so we're so hard on ourselves about, you know, bits of procrastination and often like yeah. we're so cruel to ourselves and that inner critic is so brutal to ourselves that it's, you know, it's almost more detrimental the way we treat ourselves when we procrastinate than the procrastination itself. And I like the idea of just being like, well, you know what? It's just going to take a little bit longer. The, the writing yeah. still gets done. So why would I be, why yeah. would I care? <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Just so that's part of my process. Or something. I love you know, that. And as you say, it's so, sort of like, not like you have investors and you have, uh, you have to make yeah. payroll and stuff. It, it's much more of a personal journey. So you can just worry about yourself, which is something that I think we both really love about writing as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. So good. I, I had a little um, obs- I don't know, observation or something that I was hoping maybe you could speak to, which is just like, you seem to, and maybe it's just something that's happened later in life, but you seem to just really relentlessly pursue what's, what's important to you right now like you seem to be really good at prioritizing things and you know has that always been the case or has that been something that you've come to recently and and I don't know if you could maybe just speak to the importance of that or um I don't think I am I think (laughs) maybe I don't know I've been thinking about this maybe I'm just really insecure in some way I don't know I mean I did used to manage bands and I feel a lot like this is a similar putting this book out has been a similar process so I'm like this band if you remember this band Evermore they were my, mm. one of my first artists and I discovered them and I kind of made their record and I signed them to a record company. Record company didn't care about them. And then I like just worked so hard to get them to be successful. And, and I just felt like this constant stress that it wasn't. And I just watched the charts every day and things like that. Um, so I think that that's, so I didn't ruthlessly kind of pursue that. And then the same with the tech companies when, you know, when I went to, I like raise money. So then I was really stressed that I was going to fail and then same thing with the book I mean I do feel like I've just like a massive amount almost like I pile a massive amount of pressure on myself you know by having my you know my ex-boyfriend who passed away in the story so it's really important that the story is right and then you know it's like 20 years of my life in this book and and then I took a year and a half off earning any income to write it so that's put a distress on my you know, family and family's income with my husband being the only income earner. So then it's like, it has to work. So then there's all these things kind of compound together to be like, you have to make this successful. And then that to some extent is 
good because it makes you just work really hard but in some extent it's also not good because it creates a lot of like stress and yeah no wonder you're exhausted that's my process it's not like that I'm I'm some super prioritizer you just put you just put yourself in stressful stressful situations and that carries you through to the end Pretty much, pretty much. I've got to figure out how to stop doing that yeah. at some how stage, do you, um, but that's just how it works. I'd be interested to, to know how you rest and how you recuperate. I mean, this has been such a big journey, this whole creation. Oh, I haven't I haven't rested or recuperated at all. I mean, it's been super fast. So that, that what happened in terms of the publishing story, I don't know if that's useful. Yeah, yeah we want it. So I, um, so I got through halfway through my second draft. And I did work out that I didn't want feedback from a publisher and that because I'd had one experience of sending it off to an agent and the agent rejected it, that it was too devastating to kind of send out to anyone until I was really happy with it. Um, And so I didn't send it out to anyone. And then I wrote, when we landed in New Zealand in September last year, I wrote an article about our experience in managed isolation with two young kids and crossing the border. And I sent it off to... Um, the kind of biggest news site website here and it just went it was this crazy viral article and then someone what the the woman who runs Alan and Alan New Zealand actually reached out to me and said I thought oh she put in my bio I think on my website that I've been working on a book and she just said have you got a publishing deal for your book I'd love to read something and so then I thought oh maybe I should have a chat she seems really friendly and in New Zealand, you know, so I was like, maybe I should get some advice. And so we had a chat and then I sent it to her. And then I was really nervous because it was the first industry person other than the agency, which I like tell myself that nobody actually read it just because it makes me feel better. But, <laughs> um, but um, it was the first person I knew from the industry that was actually reading it. And so it was really scary. And I just remember sweating for like, but then she came back to me two hours later and said I love it and um and how good so it. quick <laughs> yeah it was really quick and so I was like oh my goodness she likes it so I was like running around <laughs> high-fiving myself kind of thing um and then I sent her I think that was just the synopsis and, and a few thousand words and then I sent her kind of the first 30,000 words a few days later um and then there was a little bit of a process of sending a little bit. I think I said 50,000 words or something in the end. And they, I said the main thing was that the Australian company had to be on board because I'd lived yes. in Australia for 20 years. And that's my kind of core market, really. And and then the head of the Australian company went to Zoom with me and he was very excited about it as well. So I just um, went with them because they were very, they seemed to really get it and mm. it didn't seem like there was any point in shopping it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, you know, it's so hard to get through the front door with a publisher just yeah. off the cuff. Like there's, I mean, I know people, I think people really feel down about this, but I think it's so much, so helpful to build in you know, a profile or as you did, you know, with your column or to be um, trying to get through the door in other ways. You, I mean, obviously yeah. you know, that was quite an important part of your publishing journey. I do. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, so I used to work in music, obviously managing bands, and I used to get sent demos and stuff all the time. But um, I mean, I occasionally I would discover an artist, and you know, then they would say go around to all the rest of the industry saying, "Oh, Rebecca Campbell's interested," and blah blah blah, and use that to kind of leverage. And I would always feel a bit gross about that, and and I didn't want to be that person. So, and I really liked the people that I was dealing with, so that was um, it was easy to put the book out with them. But um, I also do think 
that I wonder how much publishers and agents read what people send them and whether just stuff just gets rejected. And when I first moved to Sydney in 2000, I was like 21 years old or something, like, I don't know, young. It's my first job. And I remember the management agency I was working at. They managed Neil Finn and Bardo. I was like the assistant to the pop stars. Um, anyway, um, the, the first job they gave me was to go through their demo pile, which nobody had ever looked at for years. And I found Savage Gardens demos. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I, I like, love that. I still remember that. So I was like, nobody's even looked at this stuff. And so I reckon that I reckon the same thing happens at a lot yeah. of publishers and agents and that you get rejected and no one's even, even maybe no I haven't looked at it. it. But they're looking at it with an eye of, I just need to quickly say no to a lot of stuff. Yes. And so they just find, oh, there's, I've already got something in this genre, pass, you know, don't read it really at all. So I think you do need to find um, a way in other than. Yeah, other definitely. Than I couldn't agree with you more, Rebecca. Like I've worked in publishing houses and I was, I have been the chick that got um, shoved with the submissions pile, you know. Yeah thousands and thousands of books from years of people submitting and you know they just don't get read um and we can as creators and authors we can find that incredibly depressing or we can you know use it to our advantage and understand you know that there's needs to be a different way that we approach this if we want to be published traditionally like this um and we also can take solace like exactly like you did is that agent probably didn't read your book and it really wasn't personal at all uh that rejection and like I really really don't think they read them at all I think there are very few (laughs) publishers who do um so how do else do we do it and I love that you had this you know when people looked for you there was you know such a breadth of all we could already read all your writing you know you'd already done so much work we could already see how beautiful and vulnerable your writing was on your blog um and so when I talk to creators I'm like well what can we see of yours already like I know you've written a book but like what else have you got out there for us to like you know get our teeth into and I think that you're such a beautiful example of that yeah I think you've got to get out there and just build your own build your own following and make connections yeah and you know yeah you know try and get introductions as well is probably another good way as opposed to just um because yeah I would always listen you know when I was managing bands I would always listen to something if someone I knew sent it sent it to me and said you know you should check this out or same with when I was pitching for investment you know, you can't just submit cold into the VC's website. You know, you have to get somebody to introduce yeah. you. I, I think similar in publishing. I think that's where I see like your business, your business mind just translates so beautifully to this creative world. Um, and that's where it, it, I feel like it serves one another. And for me and James, that it's only when we've like blended this business approach and creative approach that we've found connection and really been able to, you know, make a living off what we do. Um, Whereas I think a lot of writers really want to like just sit with the muse, you know, like they just want to create and they don't want to, they don't want to connect with or network or, you know, anything like that. But I think there's definitely a need to make sure that we are building that profile, as you say. Yeah. I mean, just use what you're good at. I'm a terrible networker. Same. But, but, but like I can form close relationships with a small number of people. And so I found like some of the small number of people that I have made close relationships with or can make close relationships with, they are very well networked and that can kind of help get me into lots of other places. Yeah, but, that's um, great. I love that. 
Because a lot of our yeah. a lot of our audience are introverts, and they always say, oh, you know, I really don't want to. I really don't want to have to network. I don't want to have to go to these conferences and just right. like talk to people. And and I I'm, I can totally understand yeah, that. Yeah, hundred percent. Even yeah, a, a yeah. ten person room isn't is too many people for me usually. It's just like, but I love what you say about just trying to find a few close personal connections. I think that's so. It's a beautiful piece of and, yeah. yeah. I love really that. Cool. Mm. Thanks. And, and sort of going on, so then you met your publisher. Um, you yeah. decided to go with them, and then what was the process like after that? From getting from that point to to publication. Oh sure. So um, it was very quick because I was thinking. So we had a few chats, and then we're thinking about like, what are we timeline? I was thinking it was going to be Valentine's Day, twenty twenty two. That wow. was my kind of aim I was thinking for. Because <laughs> I was just like, I was still like September, October. This is like November last year, right? So it was pretty, and I was only halfway through a second draft. So I was thinking, you know, you hear that books take like a really long yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, normally they yeah. do. This is quick. So I was like, oh, maybe it'll be out in 2022, you know, early in the year or something. And then she's like, well, we want to get it out next year, you know. So the latest we can go is June. And I was just like, what? <laughs> because she said, yeah, new authors, you can't put anything out kind of from September onwards because of Christmas and then August is Father's Day stuff so she's like your latest is going to be July so let's say for June and then um so I was like wow because at that stage it was like November already and I was like how are you even going to do this <laughs> hadn't been edited or anything I hadn't even finished it um I actually left the last 20,000 words I didn't write until I'd finished the second draft because I wanted to make that like my treat <laughs> to write <laughs> the very end. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> and so, and then, so she gave me a deadline of Christmas. It was like the 20th of December or something. So then I just worked really hard to write the ending and to finish the edit. Um, I was just like, went into a library every day and, and, or sat in a cafe and whatever and love wrote it. So the, so the pressure helped get it done. The pressure yeah, it probably did. Yeah. It did. I could have easily spun it out another year. And, um, yeah. But I feel like it's fine in the end. Then I got an editor. So then so she, I, I did a bit more editing of it over summer after I submitted it to her and then I kept working on it. It really was too long. It was like 140. Uh, maybe by then I'd actually got it down to 120 something thousand words. Initially it was like 140,000 words. Wow. And, um, and then it was a lot that was cut. I guess with memoir you'd feel like everything is important because it's all part of your story yes. right it's true so some good advice I got which I'll share was um on editing was to write one sentence about what is your book about and paste it to your keyboard and so I didn't paste it to my keyboard but I wrote it out and then I um I kind of just put it on my desk and and then the idea was like cut everything that's not summed up in that sentence so that's what your book is about so it was like being in your 30s is single in your 30s is shit and but if you work really hard and you're willing to kind of make mistakes and learn, then what you know what can happen will be incredible, or, some, or something like that. And then so all the stuff of like my early life and career, which was in the book, no longer fitted that sentence. And so that was really easy to cut a lot of that out. That's a great and piece I, of advice. I love that. I know because I noticed you yeah. cut a lot of the stuff from your times, yeah. your days at the record company, and what your sort of your career before starting posse. Yeah. 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 Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because it didn't. It was because it didn't fit that sentence. I love like, yeah, that. Yeah, I think it really works. Yeah, thanks. 
And then I also cut scenes. There's lots of scenes that I cut. Was like, uh, is the scene really necessary? Mm. You know, if I cut it, would anybody miss it? And you know, I obviously like there's always something that you like in every scene. Often like some sentences that are really nice or something. Yeah, like. I hate that. But um, but then it's always better to once it's cut. You always feel like ah, oh, so needed to be cut. Yeah, feels James. That's James's favorite part of writing a book. I love to cut. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> are you happy um, with how it how it how it looks now are you happy with how tight it is and how it finished up um you should be yes. I mean there's a yeah, couple of little things I would change yeah. thank you there's a couple of little things I'll change but um I mean the, then we've got an editor so just the, mm. finishing that story so it's February the editor started only this February beginning of February wow we worked kind of that entire month so I had her until like mid-March and she was really good actually so she was an interesting choice and in that she probably wasn't the most like in terms of like a really amazing wordy editor like I mean she was good at, she was good at that stuff but it wasn't like that wasn't her strength her strength was that she was like perfect for the audience she really understood I mean she was pretty young it's like she was probably young and like I don't know early 30s or something and she kind of really got the relatability of the character and was like this makes you unrelatable. You've got to take this out, change this. And <laughs> that, those kind of those kind of suggestions really made a massive difference to the what, book. What and sort of, I mean, I know it might be getting too personal, but what sort of things did she find didn't make you as relatable? Do you think? Like, uh, like I was just too specific in some things yeah. at the beginning, you know, like I used brand names of clothes and things like that. Mm. Like, and I thought I was being specific and she's just like, that makes you like unrelatable to you know a large number of the right yeah interesting and yeah. she's just like take that out and you know you can put it in like once but you know later on once everybody's already bought into the story because it can help for some specific feeling mm. but it's not you, early on you don't want to have that kind of stuff in your story something i found um, really cool as someone who had read the book in early stages was i could rem- i remembered lines and i was like wow i'm so glad that made it through the editing like i'm so glad they didn't like <laughs> water this down I'm so glad they let Rebecca keep her voice because it's so incredible like I feel like they really respected you as a writer uh, yeah. there was some stuff that got cut and then I was just like you know what I'm gonna put that back so oh, I did nice. like I did I did go back and just I went through it really thoroughly and was like no I'm gonna put that back or no I don't like that choice of but I can put my word back and it was like you know in the end I think it was a it worked like she probably over registered what I was happy with and then I went back in and put stuff and were they happy with you doing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's your book at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the other big thing she did was she made it into chapters, whereas at the beginning I wrote just in a chronological order of dates. Um, that was my kind of scaffold for the book, and she's just like, no, you need chapters, you know, because the reader likes to feel like they finished a chapter. So I was like, oh, I never thought of that before. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, so, you went, um, and you went quite short in the chapters as well, which I, you know, you're right. So it's nice because good. you feel like, oh, I've written, I've read ten chapters yeah. this morning. Or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then she, or pretty much all the chapter titles are here essentially. So yeah, I think, I think she kind of made the book a bit more. I don't know if it was more fun or something. I don't know. But yeah, overall, her influence was very, like, was really important in the way that it ended up. Beautiful. And then there was like the process of proofing that awful. I hated that process. Yeah, that's going boring. Through it, and it was really boring and it was so hard. And like I just remember getting up at four in the morning, every morning for like weeks. Oh my gosh. How come how come you had to have such an involvement in proofing? Surely you can can, can do they not just do that for you? 
Oh, no, there was lots of changes. Like, right. I was still making changes at the proofing stage. Right. And then, you know, the little mistakes would get added or there was lots of things that I just missed and just going over and over. And then that process of just saying, this is the book is now going to print. Yeah. That's like really, um, <laughs> it's really scary. And even on the day that it went to print, I still was changing things. Uh, Russian was like, one wow. more thing, please, 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 please. Can you do this? <laughs> like, oh. Would you say you're a perfectionist? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I felt like, and then I saw, I can, there's still mistakes in it. Cause I just read the audiobook. And as you're reading the audiobook, you find mistakes. And I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> fortunately, I've just been told that we're able to fix those mistakes. Do you have any tips for audiobook? Amy's about to record her self published or, um, oh, cool. audiobook. Yeah. Do you have any tips? Yeah. Do you have any tips? How was the process of reading it? Yes, vocal zone, the, the little lozenges that you get. Ah, uh, yeah, I can imagine. It that was very good. tiring. Mm. Um, I mean, like I, my thing that I think I did was, I mean, we'll see what everybody thinks of my audiobook, but um, <laughs> I found audiobooks that I liked yeah. and I listened to them really closely. So I love Claire Bowditch's audiobook. Yeah. I felt like she did the best job of reading her audiobook because it's still, it feels like her talking to you as opposed to reading to you. Oh, lovely. And so, I would like listen to her audiobook all the way into the studio. And then when I was in the studio, I would like play it, you know, just so I, and then I'd try and kind of mimic her, um, like her pace and her mm. way that she, her expressions and stuff. So I think that really helped me, but you know, we'll see how it turns out. So cool. And I'm excited I, to listen. Yeah. I didn't try to do any accents, you know, or yes. voices my characters because I just thought I was not going to be able to do that's it what Amy, that's what you're wondering Amy because yeah you're set in medieval England so it's like do I do the Scottish person do I do like yeah. the, the Cockney person like just yeah well, yeah. we'll and see. obviously you, your book goes Australia New York Hawaii yeah so New Zealand, many accents like yeah and you're obviously yeah. um yeah I just didn't even try to do yeah. it because I just knew I would have botched it yeah yeah I mean yeah. if you're not a voice actor it's just yeah. a whole new, whole new challenge yeah. Anything. I'm excited for that to come out, Rebecca. That's cool. I love audiobooks. Yeah, me too. I think. Yes, I think. Thanks. Yeah, we, we probably we probably consume. I, I consume half probably my books audio form. Like. I can I consume ninety percent audiobooks now. I just oh, wow. love, I love to listen because I can do I, I can do something else. I don't know. Maybe it's just a short attention span thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Well. You know, you must be tired. We'll we'll let you wrap up there, Rebecca. Is there anything else you wanted to add about the book, or um, like for example, um, can uh, for, we've got a lot of international listeners? Can you get it on Amazon for people in the you US? You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and and they send it to you. Book Depository is the best place mm. because they don't charge for international shipping. Oh, cool. So it's like it's like free free shipping. So um, so Book Depository dot. I don't think anywhere, anywhere.com has it. And then nice. it doesn't cost anything. It's just we'll find it and we'll put it in, yeah, the, um, put it in, in the, the show notes. notes. Thank you. Pleasure. So. Thank you for being yeah. with us. And it's so, it's so nice to hear like another author's actual, you know, lived experience of what it, what it is to create, you know, a book. It's such a big deal. And I really hope that you find time to celebrate what you've done because <laughs> it's connecting with people, you know, and it's, you know, you did what you intended to do with, you know, writing for your, that for Jen, you know, there are so many people out there yes. who are, who, who need it. Can you Thank sit with you. that? Is that hard to sit with that knowledge that it's oh, doing no, what it's, you intended to do? It is really nice, actually. Like I've been getting these lovely messages through Facebook and Instagram, just like it's now kind of 
flooding in to be honest like and that is really nice like that is so good and so deserved people and people and, saying they felt like they can relate to it or like it really made yeah change someone risked me this morning I could read some of these things so like it changed the course of their life and things like oh that. So my like, god so nice. Rebecca I mean that's that just so like, huge that is very amazing I mean it that really is, is that sort of book I, I mean I just I, I encourage our audience so much to pick up Rebecca's book because it's just like it's an amazing story it really mm. is an incredible story um and a true story which makes it even more amazing mm. yeah and you just bring Thank so you. much humor so much vulnerability um so much love into the story that it's just really I could not stop reading and as I said before like this is not the normal James, book yeah. that I and I'm also usually a pretty slow read like I usually like to dip in and out of a book over the course of a couple of weeks but I really smashed it over you two did. days like it was incredible Mm. thank you thanks guys no um, thank well, you great cool thank, thank you. you thank you